Hey, hey, this is episode number 194 of the Wild Edge of Being Human podcast. And <laughs> stick with me on this one. I felt a little rusty. I felt a little rusty. Um, there at the beginning, I was slow. It's early morning as I'm recording. And stick with me because even though, and maybe this is a life lesson for us all. You know, I, I saw a TikTok last night. Here are the five best TEDx talks. And notice how they all instantly start with this technique. There's a technique. Y'all, there's a technique to hook you. And I am trying to teach myself, fuck the techniques. I get it. 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 But I am not here to hook you. And so the beginnings of my podcast might be messy and sloppy and kind of boring, but our incessant need to be entertained and our short attention spans are fucking killing us. And that's actually what I don't, I don't mention any of that in this podcast, but the beginning is a little slow. I meander. It's not all nonsense. There's some juice in there. I meander a little bit, but I eventually get somewhere really good. And so I want to encourage you to stick with me for the ride. I love you. And I love you for being on this journey of being in the wild edges of being human. This is episode 194. That means we're about at 204 episodes, y'all, of this podcast that's been going for years. Episode 194. I'm I'm going to tell you a story. And Yeah, all these pauses don't make for great podcast audio. And, oh, it's so funny. My brain is doing exactly what I'm going to be talking about today. My brain is stepping into the shoulds. I should not have all this fluff at the beginning of a podcast. I should blah, 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 blah. And my dear, the shoulds are suffocating us. It's Sunday morning and it's time for me to have a podcast episode for my amazing producer, Elise Rich. Um, And she's so patiently waiting for it. And you're so patiently waiting for it. And here it is. I had a couple client experiences in my own experience this week. I have permission to share um, both of these stories from my clients. These aren't business stories. These are life stories. But this actually happens in business too. A client sent a text message and said, I'm really struggling with this family situation can we chat and I did and another client 
recently, same thing. I'm really struggling with a situation with my partner. Can we talk? And I've had countless clients call and say, I'm really struggling with my business or enrolling. Can we talk? And my goodness, one of my clients has three children and those three children are at really difficult ages. They're at ages where those kids are hard. And any of you who are parents, man, don't we all have the dream? Pay attention to that phrase right there. Don't we all have the dream? We all have the dream that we're going to raise these kids And they're going to be our best friends and we're going to have these beautiful, loving, friendly relationships with them. And in marriage, right? Don't we all have a dream that we're going to find our true love and we're going to go home after that glorious wedding day and it's just going to be all peaches and roses and we're just going to be so nice to each other and we're going to get along and have common interests. And we all have a dream that we're going to learn the things and do the things and share our heart and show our work. And everything's going to work out. I shared a picture on Instagram of my first blue bonnet bloom. And my first blue bonnet bloom, right now it's a lone blue bonnet, is in a wildflower garden that just four weeks ago looked completely dead because we had a a freeze. But what I've learned about the wild edges of being human is that our expectations that life is always blooming and beautiful Create so much misery when it's not. And what we don't necessarily learn is how we learn how to dream and how to vision and how to hope. But we don't learn how to be with the most normal human natural realities. And so for my child that has, my child, my client that has the three children that are having really difficult times and they're doing very normal teenagery things. They're doing very normal not fun parts of raising children. Um, Sometimes kids are buttholes. Sometimes husbands and wives are buttholes to each other. Sometimes blooms freeze and die. And I know my God, I'm like slow and rusty this morning and that's okay. Thanks for being with me. What I, what I wanted to help my, see, my client see, and the first thing I did 
because, and I do for all of you that are really frustrated and scared, man, when here's, here's what happens when, um, especially those of us, well, I don't know. I don't know what it's like for somebody who's not a people pleaser. I'm a people pleaser. We'll, we'll speed this up here. <laughs> I tell a story of my book, Unarmored, about an argument I had with my husband about seven years into our marriage. And I have a history and, um, of, of getting really triggered by conflict. Dogs barking. It's all good. I have a history of getting really triggered by conflict. And come on, Clemmy. Clemmy, come here. It's okay. Come here. I have a history of getting triggered by conflict. And um, I was my first husband left on a random Wednesday afternoon. And I really never expected that. I didn't feel like I got a chance or we got a chance to like go to therapy and work things out and all that other stuff. And um, I grew up in a pretty conflicted household, loving in many ways, but also a lot of conflict in many ways. And for many years, when my husband and I would have natural, normal husband-wife arguments, it would trigger this response in me. It would trigger terror, frankly. And when I get afraid, I get angry. (laughs) I get I get vol. I used to get really volatile. And I remember there was a time when we were arguing and I was really working on trying not to be volatile because he was like, yeah, I'm not okay with the volatile stuff. And there was a time when we were starting to get in a repeated pattern and I didn't want to get volatile. So I said, hold on a moment. Let me, I, I know exactly where we were standing. And I said, let me I'm going to step back into the bathroom and just cool down for a moment. And I sat down, I I backed up and I closed the door. He was like, you can't leave the argument. I said, I'm not leaving. I just need a moment. And so I backed up, went into the bathroom, sat on the edge of the bathroom tub. And (sighs) sat down with myself and said, you know, got really curious. What's going on inside? And... I realized I was afraid, whatever. I don't even remember what we were fighting about, but I just remember I was afraid. Why was I getting so angry? And I checked in. This is long before I did any kind of parts work. And and I was afraid. And so I, I, I thought to myself, what might be going on in him? And I made up a story about what he might be afraid of. And then I walked back out into the bedroom and I said, I'm sorry, I just get really scared in these moments that you're going to leave me. And he was like, babe, we can fight without me leaving you. (laughs) Like, doesn't mean our marriage is over. And it sounds like such a simple thing, but that connection really hit Because I didn't realize that I was living in an unconscious pattern that if there's conflict or if it's not always good, it wasn't going to fall apart. And I see so many of us that are not skilled at, including me, that are not skilled at being with the really shitty and then we run with the story that everything, we, we catastrophize the story, right? 
I'm ruining my kids if they're yelling and screaming at me. I'm a horrible mother if they're yelling and screaming at me. I'm a horrible, my marriage is doomed if I feel a sense of separation from my spouse. And so what I sat with my client the other morning, first thing I did was just have so much compassion for how hard it is at times to be raising three young teenagers that are all going through all the things that teenagers go through. And they're all in this space of figuring out their independence. And we live in a society these days that is so full in the media and especially in the personal growth field. Personal growth people, I am calling you out. We have got to stop with the shiny, happy people shit. I know optimism and positivity feel so fucking good. I, I, I used to be such an optimist and I'm not an optimist anymore. I'm a realist, and my husband says, that's what pessimists say, and I'm a realist with hope. It's kind of a Buddhist principle, I think, and, and I'm, I'm beginning to understand this non-resistance to the miserable, and that's what this podcast episode is about. And I'm certainly no expert in it, but I want to introduce this idea to you. I know it feels so good to have the fairy perfection dreams, but what happens when real life hits? Then, and and recently I recorded a podcast called Stop Stabbing Yourself, and the Stop Stabbing Yourself was about the, the internal judgment we have on top of an already difficult event that makes it a gazillion times worse. Sipping coffee. I don't know, if you're not in the personal growth field and you're watching this or listening to this, I'm so curious, do y'all do that too? Or is it just us in the personal growth field? And here we are trying so hard to be our best selves. And I say that with a little bit of snark and also with just true love because that is me. My husband's like, oh, honey, you try so hard. And he's right. He's right. I spent an inordinate amount of time trying to be my best self and to grow. And um, there's some Buddhist philosophers that say, you know, the, the birds don't try and they still find food. The trees don't try and they still bloom. My blue bonnets and wildflowers in the backyard don't try so hard and they don't fret when they're dying. Now, I'm not saying when I say don't fret when they're frozen and dead, you know, the freeze comes and those plants don't tremble. And I realize they have a different consciousness than us. Okay. I realize that we have this human thing called mind and the mind makes up all these stories. And I want to be real for me and for my people. I want to make a real clear delineation because I do not want to bypass the difficulty. So with my client, the first thing I really wanted to do is have so much compassion for the disappointment, for the pain, for the experience of loss that she felt 
in this argument with her children and her spouse. Parenting is hard. I don't want to say that the mind, and maybe you know, maybe maybe there's a place I'll get to, but I, I'm not there yet. I I I believe the wild edge of being human is about having compassion for the death in life. I have another friend who's um, recently lost a family member, and she is sharing beautifully her grief online and. She's sharing raw and she's sharing human and I find it so helpful and my God, somebody got up in her inbox and was like, self-pity much? (laughs) And it was like, are you fucking kidding me? And I think we're so used to like, you know, this owner and victim mindset and I, I, I think that's a cop out. I think... I think it's nuanced. I think it's t- there are times and spaces when, yeah, we might be frothing a little bit in a victim mentality. But before there's a victim mentality, there is this thing called hard. And resisting the hard makes it harder. We're not here to transcend the human experience. And so with my sweet client, um, after compassion, after just really hearing and holding the difficulty that is, I asked her to consider making room for both the beauty of raising these three kids and the misery of raising these three kids. And, and... I was listening to um, Living Untethered by the guy that wrote The Surrender Experiment. This um, singer, can't remember his first name, it starts with an M, Michael Singer. And he talks about, I loved this, he talks about, and I know, I haven't read all those books, I can't believe it, I'm behind. I'm behind as a personal growth person because I haven't read all the Michael Singer books. But he talks about how we can watch a sunset and we can just have our mind blown. And what he means and he says, and I'm paraphrasing what he says in the book, and he says we can have our mind blown by the sunset. And what that means is we're just taken over with the present moment and we're completely in the present moment. We're not actually thinking. We're just experiencing. And... We don't know how to have our mind blown with the difficult. So we squirm and we resist. And so what I love is another client came to me this week and I love the way they put this. So they were checking in about an experience they had last week with their partner and they're wanting to feel some closeness with their partner, but they felt distance instead And the way they put it to me was, when I noticed the distance and my disappointment, I just allowed myself to be with it. And in IFS, we talk about turning towards and befriending. And so I personally use the mantra like, hello, disappointment. Hello, fear that there's a separation between me and my partner. I am with you. I am here for you. And it's not just a cognitive thing. Okay. It's not just a mind thing. And so this client talked about really practicing being mentally, emotionally, somatically present for their 
experience of separation from their spouse. And instead of making up story, making up story and thinking my marriage is over, I married the wrong person. And it was just such a beautiful, it was such a beautiful, you know, it's, it's not completely better. And I, we live in the society that is always demanding the outcome and always expecting the outcome. And you've heard that phrase, don't be attached to the results. But you guys, we are swimming in media consciousness water that is always anticipating a certain kind of result, result. And we don't know how to be in the process. And so I, my favorite moments of this week were not, I, and I, listen, I had a client, <laughs> I had a client get some amazing results this week. She was selling out a group program and she wanted to sell eight spots and she sold 15 spots for a year at a really fun, juicy rate. And so she's going to have two cohorts of this group. So, you know, I have, I love those results and these these moments where people are willing to be in the process and doing a slight tweak in their internal process to be with what feels real. To be with without judging the disappointment or the separation. And I realize that like there's a spiritual, there's a spiritual group of, of, there's a spiritual teaching or a group that, you know, love what is. And I think even when we say love, I know my brain, because my brain enjoys love, or this is good, because my brain enjoys love, I think I convert it to enjoy what is. And I don't think that's what the masters were saying. And I, I think that the verb love, and, and so I don't use that phrase. I don't use that phrase with my clients on purpose. I use be with what is, make space for what is. Notice the parts of you that resist. Notice what they're craving. That, to me, is the behavior of love. But when we say love what is, does anybody else get kind of fucking triggered up? Like, because we have an association that love is always enjoyment? And so, of course, my client is not loving that her family is having a massive blow up. I was able to share with her. I said, listen... And, and, and she said, with tears in her heart, I'm afraid I'm screwing up my kids. And I get it. Many of us adults are, you know, we're healing from our screwed up childhoods. And a lot of times my sweet mom says to me, because in the last two years I have written publicly about some of my childhood trauma and some of my adult trauma and processing a lot of things that I experienced as a Gen X kid and a, a, a kid in my family. And I always tell mom, um, mom, I don't, ex I personally don't 
experience blame. I don't feel like I am a victim of what my parents did and didn't do. Hi, Clementine. You want to come in here for the podcast show? I say reason. Um, I say reason, not fault. I, I like to see the math equations. That's just a mind part of me that likes to make connections. Come up here, girl. Come on. Come on. Dog interruption. Dog sponsor. Y'all, I'm down to one dog. I don't know how to do this. Come here, girl. Hop up. Come on. Come on. Don't sit here beg at me. Okay. So, um, let me get back on track. Thank you for my little brain fart here because of my sweet little girl interrupting. She See, like, right, like, this is what happens. Klimo is the best Buddhist teacher. Buddhist principles, not Buddhist religion. So, this story comes in, right? And these parts of us just need a little attention. And Clemo comes in and I make up a story that she's interrupting me. And so I try to resist it and she's going to get louder and louder and louder instead of just being with this Clemo that is here. I don't know how to show y'all. Oh, there's the Clemmy. She just wants some scratches. She just wants the scratches and these parts of us, y'all. My client who... was in the middle of the mess with her husband and her kids. Like many of you who have partners and kids, raising children is not easy. It's not the outcome that the Instagram therapists show. And, the, you know, what I was able to acknowledge in my client, let me get back to process, right? Our brain is holding to the result. And then when we don't have the result, we start trembling, And the trembling of not having the result is different from the trembling of being with the disappointment. And I find that it's actually more powerful to be with the disappointment of the present moment than to be with the judgment of some event that is not occurring. And what I, when my client shared this story, what I heard was what I hear that you're, that you are doing is that you're actually working your process. You're working your process of owning what yours, getting curious. You're, um, with the process of dropping into full presence with your kids and making sure that they know that they're good inside, but this behavior is not acceptable. You're in the process of setting boundaries. You're in the process of, of letting there be consequences. But your brain is making up that when you take the iPad away, because that's the consequence, is we lose your phones and your iPads when you scream and yell at mom and dad. You're making up, you're expecting this teenager to go, oh, and you create repair, right? Like this client knows that it's not the disconnection in a conflict, but it's the the ability to create repair. And so I hear my client doing and being in the creating repair and the kid doesn't externally let we we see right now respond to the repair. And that's when the my client is like, everything's not working. It's not working. I'm doing all this work and it's not working. And it is. Because know your teenage child, your young teenage junior high age child is not always going to 
be able to have the cognitive capacity. They do not have abstract thought and they are not, they, they don't see the way us adults see. And so they're not going to be able to turn in that moment and say, mom, you're right. My behavior was lousy. I love you. Thank you for holding me accountable when it's hard. You know, you're not going to get this fairy tale resp- response. And it doesn't mean you're fucking up your kids. And when you have a rift with your spouse, Bill and I had a little one yesterday, just a little like, a little, um, what did, a little grouch with each other. And I notice when we have a grouch with each other, which to me, the definition of a grouch is just like, we're just not communicating on the same wavelength. And because we're not communicating on the same way, wavelength, uh, irritations can get a little higher, right? Like there's just some days with your spouse, you're in flow and you're in sync. And other days you're just kind of like, eh, eh. and yesterday morning we were just, eh, eh. and there are parts of me that when I experience that, those parts, not all of me, certainly not the core self of me, those parts automatically go, you married the wrong person. Instead of what Bill taught me so many years ago, you think that if we have a grouch, if we have a fight, and I'm going to leave this marriage or that this marriage is horrible. And it sounds so simple, but I need you to understand and I need us to understand the stories our brains make up in the mind and how they run away from the present moment. And so when we talk about being with the present moment, I don't just mean in this Zen state of fucking perfection. I mean, be with, which simply means be the noticer of what's happening. Be the acceptor of, yes, there's distance between me and my spouse in this moment. But don't run, don't run with the misery story. Don't run into the future of I'm messing up my kids or I married the wrong person or my business is going to fail. And so think about this phrase, the wild edge of being human. Hmm. Think about the cycles of life. I know that death and arguments and failures and illness and suffering does not feel fun. And I know that even being with and learning to feel those things is not comfortable. I know that it's so funny because my brain is like when I hear some of these spiritual platitudes, my brain automatically goes to like, I'm supposed to love what is. I think that loving what is is a little bit more messy because I'm not supposed to transcend this human experience. Even in my noticing and even being in self-led, 
because I'm a human being, there's going to be a little bit of the story. My friend that is grieving, and I love what she said. When someone had the audacity to go up to her and say, we're really good with grief. Like we as a humanity know how to do grief. No, we don't. We don't know how to do grief. And my clients never lost their mother before. Or I'm sorry, not my, this is not my client. My friend has never lost their mother before. They have no experience losing their mother. And two weeks after losing their mother, someone comes up and says that she's being in self-pity. And maybe it's true, and it's, I love that my client said, or I'm sorry, not my client, my friend said, I do feel sorry for myself. And my God, that was the most loving thing. But someone a long time ago threatened disconnection and said, don't feel sorry for yourself. And what if we knew the holy wild edge What if we knew how to lovingly feel sorry for people? And I love that my friend knows how to feel sorry for herself at this time of loss. That is fucking beautiful. And I I want... The narrows of life... You know what I think about when I think about the narrows of life? I think about the fucking container store. I think about the container store and how pretty and packaged and completely organized everything is. And I think about how we as humans try to put ourselves in those organized, perfectly presentable little boxes. You know where those boxes end up? In a fucking landfill. You are not here. Now listen, I love love an organized shelf. I love systems and I love nourishing habits. And I, I, I love the sense of order of the container store. And this is a both and episode. And life, you know what else I love? I also love stomping in rain puddles and mud pies and it's so funny I was like I can't believe I'm gonna even say this I love death and struggle and misery and um sadness and fear oh my god it's so funny my little parts inside like my fearful parts and my anxious parts are like oh my god thank you for loving us I love my fear I, I do, do I enjoy death and loss? Do I enjoy conflict? But my God, it's the juice of life. Just as much as the highs are. And so this is just another invitation to be in the wild edges of being human. Which is about making space for... You know, in, in coaching, I used to have a coach, Rich, Rich, Rich Litvin, and he would always say, lean into your edge, right? And he was talking about lean into your edge of excitement discomfort. And I get it because when we lean into the edge of excitement discomfort, there's something possible there. 
But I also want you to know on the other end, at the wild edge, you lean into the edge of misery, discomfort. There's also something possible there. There's a possibility of being in the full human experience and not resisting any of it and not having to be in the narrows of the fucking container store. And I get it. The world doesn't understand it. Just like my friend sharing her grief, the world doesn't understand it and says, your willingness to feel this makes me uncomfortable, so I'm going to make you wrong. But what if... What if we weren't bad people and we weren't doing it wrong? What if life is beautiful and wonderful and raising boys and being married is beautiful and wonderful and horrible and awful and hard and miserable at the same time? Then when the miserable happens, we wouldn't heap the judgment of we're doing it wrong. And I'll tell you. That's the phrase I hear my clients and myself and the people I love saying subconsciously in their head over and over and over and over and over. I hear that core belief, that core fear, I'm doing it wrong, I'm doing it wrong, I'm doing it wrong, I'm, I'm doing marriage wrong, I'm, I married the wrong person, I'm, I'm doing the wrong things in business, so I need to buy this $7,000 program. I'm, I'm raising my kids wrong, and they're going to be horrible and shoot up schools. And I am in no way saying, say, fuck it and let it all go. But I'm saying be engaged, be willing. Now, listen, it's going to require rest. It's going to require timeouts, but be engaged with the difficulties just as much as you are with the goodness and see what's possible for you. Thank you so much for spending time with me. Hey, um, Camp Cultivate this year, May 7th through 11th in Austin, Texas. The theme of this year's camp is the wild edge of being human. And we're going to be exploring some of these human paradoxes and we're going to be exploring some of the skills of so i you know i can say be in the wild edges but we're going to be exploring some of the skills like how do you actually do that and so it is a deep coaching intensive it's part retreat part intensive um we have movement we have nature we have just social relaxed fun time and then we're going to have some really yummy deep conversations Um, and I have about five or six spots left um, at Camp Cultivate this year right now there's not a payment plan on the um, on the web page but I'm going to be putting one up in the next few days I realize like listen y'all the price of camp has gone up I know the price of camp has gone up because the price of holding an event has gone up and so if you want to come explore in person really small intimate event we're gonna my my 25 people right now I have 19 including me and my assistant so it's a small intimate event and we are going to be exploring the wild edges of being human through self-connection and what that really means to be connected with ourself and all our parts, and then through connecting with each other. And so um, that's coming up. I want to invite you to consider it. You can either reach out to me, or um, I can't. I I can't. I'm I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> I don't even have a. Um, I have a website for it, but I don't have an easy name. 
Um, so reach out to me if you're interested in exploring camp. Um, the fee is 1888 just for the event fee that doesn't include the hotel room. Um, yeah, so thanks for sticking with me. I know the beginning of this was a little, um, a little wobbly and slow and it, it just is perfect. So, um, please, you're not doing it wrong if you're experiencing some of the difficulty of life. You're not doing it wrong. Be with yourself in the difficulty and take off the judgment over doing it wrong. Allow yourself to be in the paradox of both hands. It is beautiful and it is miserable and it is life. I wrote down the other day, I'm kind of playing with new vision and I said, I want to, I want to be fully present in all the cycles of life. Thanks y'all, see you next week.